Hello, this is Brady Ackerman. Welcome to the latest podcast. Uh, appreciate you uh, checking us out prior to the Orange and Blue game coming up on Saturday at 3 o'clock in the Swamp. We'll preview that for you today. Talk a little bit about what to expect and, and get you ready for the game. We'll also have a post-game podcast coming up Sunday night. Also talk some recruiting on our next podcast as well uh, with Blake Alderman from 24-7 Sports, Swamp 24-7 so we got some good stuff coming up this weekend. Of course, as always, if you're making your way to uh, Gainesville, you can go to Campus Outfitters early Saturday morning before you head over there for a long day of baseball and football and all kinds of things. Campus Outfitters is open. They have officially licensed Gator Apparel. They got the sale rack right up front. I know some of you folks just like to shop off the sale rack. If you're like me, get you a deal on the sale rack. They can outfit your kids, your wife. Uh, your girlfriend, yourself, and orange and blue. Get Gator geared up for Dan Mullen's debut in the Swamp on Saturday at 3 o'clock at Campus Outfitters on Archer Road in Gainesville, just off I-75. You can't miss it. It's uh, right down from the Ale House. Uh, if you're coming in from out of town in Tampa and South area or north from Georgia and Lake City, check it out. Get your Gator gear. Make sure you tell them Brady Ackerman sent you in there, and they'll take real good care of you. Well, the uh, Gators have put all their practices in. They've got one left, and it's the orange and blue game for Dan Mullen in uh, his first year. He's, he's done just about everything you could possibly do to generate buzz, interest, and hopefully a big crowd on Saturday. And I, I don't know if he ever thought when he left Florida and he came back, he would have to work this hard to get people to come out and watch Gator football. But it's been a long time. I mean, two SEC title appearances notwithstanding, an 11-1 season under uh, Will Muschamp that ended up in a BCS bowl game. The Gator fans are hungry. They're hungry for a winner, and, and I think that in a lot of ways they weren't hungry, that, that the apathy had set in. Uh, it's been, you know, Florida's not really been nationally relevant since Urban Meyer was here. And fans have gotten numb to the bad offense. They've had hope, and then it's been taken away from them. And I think they were cautiously optimistic after the damn Mullen hire. But I really believe um, he's done everything he can to endear himself to the fans. Uh, he's made the right moves with the players and inside the football office. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to make a good move on Saturday by bringing in these celebrity coaches, uh, a couple of big-time boosters who uh, are integral in the part of uh, the success of the future of Florida football, and I think it's. Uh, I think that was a great gesture by him. I think everything he's done has been to kind of mend the fences, the broken fences that have been there with bad seasons or bad hires or bad decisions. And uh, this is another one that I think is a home run hire. I think it's a. I mean, a home run move by Dan Mullen bringing these guys in. I mean, these guys are the people that have to pay the money to the coaches that are no longer here, or at least help do that and, and raise that money for Scott Strickland and the athletic department. So I think it's a great move. I think that's going to be fun for those guys. But when you look at the game and, and the crowd, a lot of people are wondering if it's going to end up being a record crowd. Uh, 65,000, I think, is the unofficial record. Uh, we will find out. I think it'll be close to that. Um, there's rumor that we might have some weathers. So they might have to play a doubleheader on the baseball game, meaning weather on Sunday. So we may even have two baseball games on Saturday, which would really – uh, I don't think it would impact the crowd for the football more than it would impact for baseball, but we'll keep an eye on that. Um, could be a doubleheader for Florida-Missouri on Saturday uh, as uh, they think some bad weather is going to move through 
on Sunday, but that's not official just yet. So keep your uh, eye on FloridaGators.com to find out the latest with what's going on with Florida's baseball series this weekend with Missouri, which are, you know, it's one of one of the many events going on. But the, the, the crowd notwithstanding, and obviously Pack the Swamp's been a great promotion. I think we'll have a great crowd. Uh, you know, I think it'll be between 50 and 60,000. It's going to be a fun game. The first half format will be like a real game. Uh, you know, with the timeouts and the change of possession and, you know, down the clock stops on a first down. And then the second half is going to be a running clock. So it's going to be on in that second half. And uh, they, they just keep running that daggum thing. I, I don't know if maybe they stop it on change of possession, but that's about it. So expect a very fast uh, second half. So if you go to the potty at halftime, <laughs> you better get back quick because you might miss something. Uh, so at the first half should be pretty good. The draft is Friday, so we'll get the rosters Friday night, uh, Saturday morning. But the team's going to be drafted and split pretty evenly. So we'll have a good game. Got enough players to have a good game, um, a good scrimmage, uh, and an opportunity for some guys to stand out. And anytime you have a scrimmage like this, skilled guys and quarterbacks are the ones that usually stand out. They're usually the ones that... Uh, have the you know the most to make the d- defense will be vanilla uh, to in some regards and a lot of the the frontline players will play a little bit and then they'll sit out in the second half or whatever that's that's what I would expect we'll see if Dan Mullen does that or not but you know the last couple of years we've had different types of orange and blue games you have the ones versus ones which everybody says they love that because it's best on best well defense is going to win that uh, I've been to every scrimmage. Defense is going to win a one-on-one, so we don't need that. But what you also don't want is the ones versus the two-and-a-halves or the ones versus threes, which is what McElwain did last year because you get a false sense of security of how good Felipe Fanks really is or Luke Del Rio the year before. So I think and, – and not that those kids weren't good quarterbacks. I think Del Rio was a solid quarterback. But my point being – it's a tough balance to figure out who's, you know, Kyle Trask drew the short stick last year. They couldn't move. So then you get a one-sided game. So I think ultimately um, you have your scrimmages where you go ones-on-ones. You can evaluate and communicate with your starting offensive line. You can work on fundamentals and development and all those things that matter when you have your first 22 out on the field. And again, they're still developing that first 22. But what I will say, when you split it like this, your center is T.J. McCoy, but he doesn't have Fred Johnson to his right on right guard. He might have somebody else that he's not worked with during the spring. But that's okay because it makes for a more balanced and fun game. It should be an even game, which will be entertaining, which will, I think will get the fans excited. And I, I think that's, again, a good move. But it just depends on your numbers. And he has plenty of numbers to have a good scrimmage. Um, you know, Obviously, the focus is going to be on the quarterbacks. I'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, but I, I also think when you watch the game on Saturday, depending on how this draft works out, um, you know, I mean, because I don't think you have a draft if you're going to say one offense and two defense versus two offense and one defense. I mean, you, I think you just have a draft and have some fun with it. Just go out and have fun. And that scrimmage will be less about the players and more about the fans. I think scrimmage, little half scrimmage they did Thursday night, uh, it was probably more relevant than this one is. The spring game, any kind, and you've seen a lot of them canceled in the Midwest this week because of weather. Spring games are, I, I talked to my buddy at Iowa State, spring game got canceled, but they still have a practice. So they have a scrimmage in the indoor facility, so there's no fans or anything, and it's not like Iowa State gets a lot of fans for a spring game anyway. But that practice will be more worthwhile to those coaches and players than any spring game. 
Now, the, here's what you get from a spring game. Uh, if you've never been or, or you have been and, uh, you know, you're, you're wondering what the value in it is. Occasionally, you'll have a guy who shines that you hadn't seen before. Lewis Murphy comes to mind. Um, there was a freshman. Who was the freshman quarterback under Zook? Was it Engel Martin when he was a freshman that had a really big game, but he couldn't talk to the media? Um, some guys will flash. That can happen. Secondly, the guys that you're going to count on that were either redshirted last year, didn't play last year at all, like they're buried on the depth chart, or um, they're in this early enrollees uh, like Damian Pierce and, I, and Clement, the running backs. You see how they handle a big crowd. Because I don't care where you played high school ball at. I don't care how big a school it was. You never played in front of 50,000 people. Maybe a state championship game in Texas, but I don't even know if Florida has anybody that's done that. So how do you feel, How do you react in a big stadium, which they practiced in, with a big crowd? And again, we say big crowd for them because they're coming from high school. Or they sat on the bench last year and watched, watched the game, but they didn't play. Um, it's different. And so you can kind of get an idea how people do on those type of things uh, as well. So you can kind of get a gauge. And so, so those are some of the things you can look for uh, as a coach when you go into a game like this, how a guy reacts and how he plays under pressure. So that, that'll be something that um, with a crowd and, and so forth that you can kind of get an idea. Other than that, it's window dressing for the fans. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. You're going to take some shots and see how the quarterbacks throw. You can see how the receivers run their routes, see how the running backs run. It's really a, 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 a generally a pass scale, run scale type scrimmage um, with very little, uh, kind of like in an all-star game, uh, very little going on in the trenches. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think it might be more physical in the trenches because uh, Florida's defense has dominated so much in this spring, and the Gators' best, the thing they've done well, or at least have had some success against the defense, is run the football. So let's begin with uh, the quarterbacks, and uh, we'll talk about the quarterbacks, the offense. We'll take a quick timeout here from our sponsors, and we'll come back and wrap it up with some keys and, and some highlights for some players and, and get you ready for the, the orange or blue game at 3 o'clock on Saturday. The quarterback situation, in my opinion, um, I don't think there's a clear leader. I don't think there's a bad player. I, don't, I think Florida can win games with every quarterback that they have on campus. Maybe that's a little bit of blind faith in Dan Mullen and his resume and his track record and what he's done. Or maybe, I, you know, I've seen some things as well from all these guys that, that look a lot better than what I've seen in the past. Now, I've seen Franks look better in practice than he did. He improved from year one to year two, and it didn't really translate to the game. But in fairness to him, I think this is a whole new offense, a whole new system, and potentially some better talent around him. So I think if you look at the quarterback situation in the spring, if you ask me who I think played the best overall, and again, I didn't go to all 14 practices, but I went to quite a few and I saw all the scrimmages, I would say it would be Kyle Trask. But is he clearly ahead of Felipe Franks? Eh, no, I don't think he is. I think they're about the same. Franks has experience. Franks played. Franks understands what's it like to start a game against the University of Michigan or like to Texas. You get that, that there's some value in that. Um, and obviously... I think the other thing with Franks is he's he's made some good throws late in spring that have been, uh, you know, okay, we're working something. We're seeing the progress. So um, I think those guys are about even. And for me, if I just brought my own quarterback opinion into this thing, if those two guys are even, um, 
you start Franks because he's played. As soon as he doesn't do what you want to do, you put Trask in. But I really don't think either one of those guys have separated themselves clearly from Emory Jones. So I think, and I've said this since day one when they signed Emory Jones, he's going to bring him along slowly. I think Emory Jones could be the starting quarterback for Florida this year. But it might not be to the Georgia game. All right? And that doesn't mean Florida had a bad season. That means Tebow, Chris, Chris Leak, Tebow. But, you know, Tebow never got the job from Chris Leak because he was really good. Uh, that could be Tyler Russell, Dak Prescott. Actually, in year two, Prescott took the job from Tyler Russell. Uh, but in year one, Tyler Russell held him off, and they got to the Egg Bowl, and Prescott went in there and played lights out, and that was it. Uh, I think Russell got hurt in that game. Uh, Fitzgerald played a little bit under Prescott, but never obviously wasn't going to overtake him. So my point is, I've always thought all along it would be one of the two quarterbacks, um, and I actually thought Jake Allen would have a chance, but he's kind of a little bit off the pace, and Jones. I think Jones will play. I think he'll have a role just like Tebow had, but the difference is I think Jones can win the starting job because I don't think those other two guys, at least right now, are Chris Leak or even Tyler Russell. Um, They could be but not right now. And so I think this battle will go on. I do not think Jones is the starter day one. I don't think Dan Mullen has to start him day one. They're playing Charleston Southern, but he'll play. Emory Jones will play. He's not taking a red shirt. Uh, He's not building for the future, uh, at least at this point in time after spring practice. Now, fall camp could change it. Frank could go out there. Trask could go out there and light it up. And, you know, everything could change. But today... I see one of those two guys and Jones playing a role where Jones is playing the Tebow role. I really do. And I think that – and the thing that he brings, just like Tebow, that we don't see with the Wildcat, with the Kadarius Tony, is he can really throw the football. He struggled a little bit early in spring throwing college routes and concepts against college defenses. All right? But in fairness to him, he's looked like a freshman quarterback. But everybody who thinks they, that they're writing him off, I, would, I told you this last week on the podcast, and I was expecting a big scrimmage from him Saturday, and it just didn't pan out that way. I do not write him off. I would not write off Emory Jones. You'd be, I would, that, is, that would be foolish. I think Dan Mullen knows what he has in Jones. I think he knows how he has to play if Jones is his quarterback. He wants to see if one of those two guys with the rocket arm, and Jones has a rocket arm, and more experience and having been around um, – can actually grasp the offense and be a, be a leader and be a Chris Leak. Uh, so that's where they're at. I think the guys are better. I've seen the turnovers go down in scrimmages, the interceptions. Um, I also don't think they take a lot of chances in this offense, so I think, I think they'll be all right. Florida's going to run the football. They're going to be a running team, but it's going to be fun to watch a running team uh, that can actually move the ball, move the chains. So uh, the quarterback situation will be fun to watch. I think, again, like I told you before spring started, if you're coming for the first time, you didn't go to open practices, what you want to see from your quarterbacks are balls thrown where the receiver can go get it. Balls thrown when the receiver comes out of his break. Balls thrown to backs out of the backfield. They don't have to stop and and catch, you know, wait on the ball or it's thrown behind them and they get a two-yard loss on a swing pass. Screens. Uh, if he calls a bubble screen, he, he likes to throw one to Showers. Uh, showers, I always call Showers. Uh, Hammond, uh, 10, Josh Hammond. He loves to throw uh, a screen to Josh Hammond. Does he hit him in the numbers? You know, people don't think much of it. You know, it's a quick little throw out to the side. And when I worked with Hal Mummy and Mike Leach, we used to spend 
time every day at practice on this, like a lot of time, because it's like throwing it's like throwing a ball to a three point shooter. All right, you have the best three point shooter in the world, Steph Curry. But if you're past, if you kick it out to him and he has to go down and catch it around his ankles, it lowers his percentage of probably making that three pointer. Well, on the screen passes, you know you don't want to throw it 100 miles an hour, but you also don't want to lob it. You don't want to throw it where they it, they've got to move for it. On a bubble screen, you want to hit him right in the numbers, right in the hands, almost to where he doesn't even have to look catching the ball. He could turn his head up the field, get north and south and make a big play. A couple of scrimmages ago in the open scrimmage, Trask hit Hammond on one, put it beautifully between his numbers, allowed him to come inside the blocks and go for a touchdown. Uh, but if a guy's got to stop or he's got to look behind him, you know, it's the same with the shallow cross. If, if, they, if they throw a, a, a little you know, drag route across the field underneath to the receiver, do you hit him in stride or does he have to wait for the football? And that's one of the throws that Jeff Driscoll really struggled at was throwing the guy in, in uh, a shallow cross, you know, throwing him the ball and hitting him while he's running. I remember they, we were playing Miami one year down there in, in uh, – pro player and clearly outplayed them and it's third and 10 and done one i don't know if it was dunbar or uh, uh the fat debose came on a shallow cross it's wide open there's nobody within 10 yards all you got to do is throw it three yards you hit him in the numbers let him run and he picks up the first down threw it behind him he had to hesitate allowed the defense to collapse he's tackled short of the first down and people are yelling why is Muschamp calling a play on third and 10 short of the sticks? Well, the days of Spurrier throwing at 11, those days are done. Nobody does that anymore. Um, you can do things with plays that run defenses out of there, if you can get them in the right formation or coverage, to throw it short and allow a guy to run for the first down. But you have to have the right concept. And, um, and Florida can do some of that stuff. And so it's important that these guys throw the ball to the guys on the move. So it should be good. Uh, I know everybody's going to be excited to see Emory Jones. I, I don't know if we'll have any quarterback run. I don't think he'll make the quarterbacks live, but they can pull and run it, and then the defense just has to pull up and touch them. So that'll probably be – but you will see some concepts of the run game as well with the quarterbacks that'll be good. Offensive line, with them moving things around and having a draft, I don't know how the protection's going to be. Uh, I would think they're going to ask the defense to be pretty vanilla. Um I think there's a couple of guys that you need to keep an eye on. Buchanan, I think he's had a really good spring at center. Tyler Jordan, I think he's had a really good spring at left guard. He's been a right guard and a center most of his career. Uh, I would keep an eye on him. Um, I would also, you know, I mean, I, I would keep, continue to watch uh, the tackles. They have some good days. They have some bad days. But really what you want to look for from the offensive line, more than pass protection, is – run the run game because that's where everything starts are they staying on their blocks are they being physical um it's definitely a more physical unit there but we'll have to see how it gets uh, as they water it down splitting the guys up uh overall at the receivers if you haven't been there if you can get close to the field walk down there uh get as close as you can you got to see trevon grimes in person i mean he is a big old boy all right let me just say that uh, I haven't seen a receiver like that at Florida ever. Uh, he is a first-round NFL draft pick who can go get the ball. Um, he is he is legit, and everybody hopes he's eligible. And I don't think Florida's going to be a great passing team no matter who the quarterback is. And Florida's not throwing for 3,000 yards. If they are, they're going to be in the Final Four. But I do think they're going to have a chance 
to, that they're going to have two wide receivers that can get open against any corners, and they're going to have two guys who, are, if they're covered, and you throw and let them go get the ball, they can go get it. I know Jefferson and Grimes can go get it. They're the two best wide receivers on the team, clearly, in my opinion. Uh, both these guys hopefully will get a chance to make some plays for people. But other receivers that have played well, Josh Hammond's had a nice spring. Kadarius Tony's had a nice spring. Rick Wells started Wells, kind of evened off a little bit, but I think he's earned the respect. Um, and is this a game where maybe a Daquan Green can finally flash? He just hasn't flashed, you know? Freddie Swain, he, he's had a couple of busted play touchdowns, but he hasn't really flashed like you would hope. I mean, those are two big-time recruits out of high school that just haven't flashed in the direction that you would hope maybe they can do that on Saturday uh, in this game. So uh, that's kind of the quarterback in the passing game, and I say all that knowing they're going to run the football. So the running backs are going to have an opportunity to really shine uh, and Pierce and Clement are the guys you want to watch because they're the two incoming freshmen. I, I thought Clement, uh, Iverson Clement, had his best practice of the spring last Saturday. Uh, really loved the, his mobility in the hole. He's got good vision. Um, he has that jump cut that Barry Sanders kind of perfected that I think he's really good at. And then Pierce is just a natural running back. He is a natural, good body, lean, strong, runs between the tackles, breaks tackles, has good speed. Uh, explosive running back. Those are the two guys you need to watch at running back. Scarlett, I don't know how much they're going to play him. Uh, P. Ryan's had a really good spring. I don't know how much they're going to play him as well. The two freshmen, I think you're going to like these guys. Uh, We'll see which one shines on Saturday. So there's a little offensive preview. We'll come back after this quick timeout, and we will tell you a little bit about the defense, some final thoughts as we get you ready for Orange and Blue. The Orange and Blue game on Saturday uh, Dan Mullen's first game as head coach in the swamp. Uh, I do want to remind you, we'll have plenty of podcasts throughout the year. We'll have a post game podcast for, uh, this, this game. We'll also get into some recruiting and, and some position analysis. We'll have some fun, uh, over the summer with the schedule and some guests. So we got a lot of things going on. Um, if you have any comments, requests, or questions, you can always go to our Facebook page, the Brady Ackerman show and hit me up there or on Twitter at Brady Ack. We'll be back. After this quick timeout. All right, welcome back uh, to the podcast. And of course, uh, we our podcast is available in the iTunes store and on SoundCloud. We post it on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, also want to remind you, uh, if you're one of our Facebook friends that listens to the podcast, or if you're in the Gainesville area, Gainesville, Ocala area, Wednesday nights, Buddy Martin, legendary writer, Buddy Martin, uh, author of books by Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier. And I, we do a show at World of Beer in town at Tioga. Come on out. I'll give you a T-shirt. How about that? Just show up. I'll give you a free T-shirt. Come have a beer. We're there 6 to 7. We're there 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, show is 6 to 7. We have some trivia. We give away some stuff. Uh, come hang out with us. It's a beautiful place. And even though we're getting towards the uh, spring recruiting and the summer camps and summer recruiting uh, now, we'll have plenty to talk about as we hang out with our friends at World of Beer, Town of Tioga, uh, in Jonesville. Bottom line, it's in Gainesville, out there by West End Golf Course. Come see us. Tell, tell me you heard it on this podcast, and you get a free T-shirt. How about that? Brand new T-shirts we got coming up, courtesy of our friends at Campus Outfitters. Uh, I don't know how exotic the defense is going to be on Saturday, uh, but I will say this. Todd Grantham is an excellent defensive coordinator. He's got a proven track record. You know, I kind of equate Todd Grantham to Dennis Rodman of the Detroit Pistons. Remember Dennis Rodman? Well, Dennis Rodman was with the Pistons. Everybody hated him, like, except for Piston fans. 
But then all of a sudden he goes to the Lakers, so all the Laker fans like him. He's one of those guys when he's on the other team, you don't like him. He just kind of rubs you the wrong way. He's arrogant, got a little swag about him, you know, kind of ruffles the feathers. Remember he taunted Chaz Henry in the Florida-Georgia game. Gator fans were upset. So you didn't like him, right? But when he's on your team, you like him because he does. He's an excellent coach. He's aggressive on defense. He's not going to sit back and let you nickel and dime him. The days of Ben Badot break, which was one year under Randy Shannon, those days are gone. That's not a Florida defense. And uh, this is Florida's going to be a lead again. Uh, I do think they need to get better at linebacker. I think they are. Uh, I do think they've got some young safeties that are going to be really good but need some experience. And I think they're building some depth on the interior part of the defensive line. I told you before the spring, up the middle is the key to this defense. Because when you play good teams, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Florida State, they know that you're, you're, where your strength is, right? They know you got Wilson and Henderson. They know you got Jefferson and Zaninga and Polite and Carter on the outside. They know where your strength is. So where do you think they're going to go? They're not going to go wide. Even if that's what they do, they're not going to do that. They're going to go up the middle. And that's where Florida's got to prove, and we won't know until we get into the season, that those guys are ready to go. I do want to say this, and I think I said it last podcast. Kerry Clark uh, is, is an unsung hero at nose tackle. I think he's really good, and uh, I think he's done a great job. I, 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 he works hard, got a great work ethic, just does his job. And, and so I think he's had a really good spring. It's been a quiet spring. Because everybody's talking about Tadarrell Slayton and Elijah Conliffe and the defensive ends. Nobody's talking about Kerry Clark. And that's a good thing because he's your starter. And he's really good. And I will say a couple years ago, he was playing as a backup against Michigan in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. And I just thought he's out there. And I'm going, man, Kerry Clark's just not – he's never going to be good because he's just not big enough. He's not tall enough. He doesn't look like – you know, I was like – and I had a discussion with my, a buddy of mine. But I tell you one thing. He's won me over. He's won me over. And uh, I think he's a really good player. And I think he's one of those guys, you know, I think of the Mullen teams that won the national championship at Florida against Oklahoma. And I could, it would take me a couple minutes. Was it Lawrence Marsh? And who was the other? De- just defensive tackles, not all conference. Maybe got a cup of coffee in the NFL. It was Marsh, and I can't think of the other kid's name off the top of my head. But they were good players, and they did their job. And that's what Kerry Clark is. Uh, And he may play in the NFL. I don't know. But he's a good player that needs to get talked about more. When you're watching the scrimmage, the pressure's come off the edge. Florida's been very good at getting after the quarterback that the defense has. They run a lot of games. I don't know if they're going to do that. When I say games, that's twists. So, like, you got C.C. Jefferson. He's lined up over the edge of the tackle, and he's going to rush the quarterback. But instead of coming outside, he comes inside. You know, he loops inside. That's called a game or a stunt. If you see that, Florida's offensive line has really struggled picking that up in the spring, and that's okay. I think they'll get that fixed. But that's where they've gotten a lot of sacks. I'm not, I don't think they've necessarily dominated Ivy and Taylor to the point physically. I think that they've gamed Florida up, and that's what he does. That's what, that's what Todd Grantham does. He's aggressive. He's creative. He plays a lot of guys. And so when you watch Florida, uh, when you watch the defense on Saturday, it, it's 22 starters. And they truly do that. Sean Davis has had an excellent spring. And I like that kid. I really do. I think he got a bad rap last year early. Um, I'm not sure he was put in a position to be successful uh, a lot of times. 
And I think that uh, I think Sean Davis has had a really good spring. Juwan Taylor is the starter there, but he's been in the non-contact jersey. And I think Davis is going to push him for playing time in the fall. On the other safety spot has been Brad Stewart. He's been really good. I think he's had a nice, nice spring and established himself. Quincy Linton behind him is a physical run player. We'll see if he's improved against the pass, but I like him too. Again, these guys don't have a lot of experience, including Juwan Taylor. I know he played some late last year, but I think they got a chance to be really good there. Corner, um, you want to watch Trey Dean, the freshman. He's, he talks a lot. He's got a lot of skill. He's long. He's big. He's, he's Tease Tabor. Trey Dean is Tease Tabor. Tease Tabor. So I think that he's got a chance to be an NFL player. But Wilson and Henderson are really good. Uh, I don't know how much they'll play both those guys. Um, the thing I like about Henderson, and it, this is, I think Wilson is the best corner Florida has. I think he's better than Quincy, all right? But I think if you went to the, the way Henderson's tracking, I think he might get drafted ahead of Wilson. Like, top 10. He long arms, tall, knack for the ball, physical. Uh, the, the Florida's corners are, I wouldn't trade them for anybody. I wouldn't trade their corners. Uh, at linebacker, keep an eye on Ventrell Miller. He's a young freshman linebacker that I think is going to be – I think he's the most talented kid Florida has. Rayshad Jackson's had a good spring. David Reese has been solid. Ventrell Miller is a star of the future, and he may play a lot this year. He's an, he can play in coverage. He can play the run. Uh, he's been very good and had a very good spring. So that gives you kind of a quick thumbnail look at the defense. Uh, again, this is a scrimmage that will be about – or an orange or blue game that will be about skill players. It will be about offensive guys. Uh, it'll be about fun and the fans, maybe some trick plays and, and the guys having a, a chance to go out there and compete. The one thing that I think, you know, when we wrap up spring ball and talk about this on our next podcast, I think the, the ability to go out there and establish fundamentals, concepts of the offense and defense, and then how we want to practice. I have to say it like that because that's how coaches talk. How do we want to practice? What is the expectation level? How, you know, we see guys, they say, well, we, we practice fast. We, we're moving. We're going here. We're going there. We're going here. We're going there. It's not that kind of practice. It's the intensity. You know, the one thing I think Florida's lacked in their practices the last few years, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has been intensity. Yeah, they run an NFL practice under McIlwain, and I, I don't think his practice was bad. They moved a lot to try to keep it fresh for the kids. A lot of people do that. But there wasn't the intensity. There wasn't the, the, you know, getting after guys, getting physical, being intense that we've seen, I've seen in these 15 practices that Dan Mullen's been here. And I think that's an urbanism. I think urban was that way, and I think Dan Mullen is the same way. And I think, again, the one thing we need to remember, we got a head coach at Florida that has nine years of coaching experience, head coaching experience, a couple of national titles. He had Mississippi State ranked number one in the country. And the more I think about it, he should have been the first guy Florida looked at when they were trying to hire somebody, not Chip Kelly, but all is well that ends well. And, uh, and you know, uh, I think ultimately uh, it's going to play out really well for Florida in the future and certainly once he gets some more players in here. It's going to be a big recruit weekend. On our next podcast, we'll have Blake Alderman from Swamp 24-7 to talk about who was in, what's going on with that, um, obviously what's next in the podcast we'll recap some of this stuff as well if you have any questions about the spring game uh, or if you have a comment we'll read your comments on the air uh, on the podcast on our next podcast all you gotta do is hit me up on twitter at brady act or go to facebook 
the Brady Ackerman Show uh, page and, and post a comment. And, uh, and I will uh, tag me on it or whatever, and we'll answer it on the air. And remember what I said about uh, the World of Beer, Town of Tioga, Wednesday nights in Gainesville. If you're in the area, come say you heard it on the podcast, and I got a free T-shirt just for you for coming up there and taking the time to say that. Uh, and we'll give out some T-shirts on this podcast as well. Uh, try to get you guys more involved. So we'll have a guest on the next one. I uh, hope you enjoy the orange and blue game. Big baseball weekend for the baseball team. Number one ranked Gators uh, coming off the sweep of Florida State. Always good to sweep them. Uh, softball, uh, top five. Uh, tough midweek loss to Florida State. but They've got another big series this weekend. So a lot of great stuff going on uh, around the swamp. Travel safe. Enjoy the orange and blue game. And uh, we'll talk to you on a post-game recap coming up Sunday night and Monday for our next podcast. Uh, appreciate Campus Outfitters for sponsoring it. Appreciate you for listening. For the next, till the next time, I'm Brady Ackerman. So long, everybody.